All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ podcast. Thank you for letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode 52 of the KISS FAQ podcast. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. Joining me, Julian, the admin at the KISS FAQ website and board, is Mark, Marcus Almighty. Mark, thanks for joining us. And Sean, Hooligans Holiday, thank you very much for coming back. It's just the three of us today. Um, And wishing everyone a Merry Christmas or whatever you celebrate, because today is obviously December the 25th. Though we're not taping it today. We're not that crazy. So, um, our topic today is pretty straightforward. It's about Christmas. It's about the year. It's 2015. What have we enjoyed? What have we liked? What have we not liked? Um, you know, that Kiss has done or not done. Um, product that has come out during the year. And I'm sure we're going to miss a lot of things. I, I don't talk about toys or any of the, the NAF sort of merchandise because it, it really isn't my thing. Um but also, have we ever received any presents for Christmas uh, that stand out in our minds? And I'll get it off my chest. I'm not going to participate in that part because I only ever got a Pez set, and I really don't want to bring it down from the shelf because it is embarrassing. And that's the only thing I've ever been given, Kiss-related. Um, I was usually given money. I bought my own shit, so it was all my own fault. So, Mark, let's jump into with you. Um, you know, where do you want to go with this? Do you want to start with? Uh, Kissmas, or do you want to talk about 2015 first? Um, well, we might as well start with the uh, Kissmas, get it over with, and then we'll have more to talk about with the get on to dessert. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll end up that way. Um, since you're not going to partake in the gift part of it, I guess I can just start with and just get mine over and done with really quickly. Um, as I mentioned earlier, quite a ways back, I got this little gem for Christmas. Now, people are wondering, going, what the heck is that thing? Well, it's a Kiss incense kind of holder thingy. You take these guys off, and inside there you put your incense in that little holder there. You put them back on, right? Here is a little thing. You put it back on, and out of Gene's mouth comes the incense smoke, which is kind of an interesting thing I got for Christmas one year. It was years and years ago, and like I was mentioning before to a couple of people, I've never seen it anywhere but after i got it for christmas i don't know if they just stopped making it or what the deal was but that was one of the gifts that i got for christmas and also i started collecting here and there christmas ornaments i don't know if you well you can see those but yeah. that's like a little ball there and over here sorry about that come on over here i got another one a jean one that one i like that one's pretty yeah. cool and like I started collecting those because people in the family started cluing in about my whole kiss, you know, fanaticism and what I liked for Christmas. So stuff started coming in all the time. So and I got this guy one year, one of the McFarland Paul Stanleys, right? So you took it out of the box. Yeah, that's. This is one of the very first things I think I got. So at that point, I didn't realize the uh, benefits of keeping it in the package. I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. Let me take it out. And I started taking, you know, looking at it. So only years later did somebody mention to me that they're like, why did you take it out of the package? I'm like, "Uh, why not? And then after, you know, I was informed on the mistake and I haven't taken anything else out of package since. So, um, yeah, but that's 
And I've also I've gotten you know the obligatory albums and CDs and stuff like that for uh, Christmas. But those were the most uh, I think oddest ones. Actually, I think I have one more thing here. Uh, sorry, let me just get this real quick. I'm on my A and M Records shirt there. Uh, but I got another Paul Stanley there. This is supposed to be from the Alive, I think, era or something like that. And it's really weird to have him in such a hugely arched position. Like when you kind of sit him down, he kind of always falls over. So I have to kind of prop him up against something in the bookshelf to keep him up. But that's pretty much the extent of it. I mean, as I've gotten a bit older now, they've kind of stopped with those kind of toy things like that. And it's just been mean, mainly more like Christmas, you know, ornament stuff and just more normal stuff, I guess, for someone my age, I guess, right? So that's a that's about it for as far as showing my kiss-related presence. I don't know if uh, yeah, I think maybe... at, the, at this stage it's probably very similar for me that anyone who would give me a present is probably thinking, "Are you still listening to that kiss crap? Haven't you grown up yet? <laughs> we're not we're not buying you any of that junk anymore." You know, not that they ever did. But Sean, what about you? Ever have you ever been given anything for Christmas? Or have you ever wanted uh, anything? Have you ever asked when you were young, <laughs> said, will you please buy me Destroyer or whatever? Uh, my parents are pretty into rock and roll and just the uh, genre in general. So I usually do get mostly Kiss stuff for Christmas. Um, I don't really have anything like on hand um, at my desk. But in terms of like significant ones... I think the ones that would stand out the most to me would be the year that um, Live to Win and Kissology 1 came out. So I got both of those for Christmas, and those were pretty significant for me at the time in terms of my fandom. But I get all sorts of Kiss stuff every year. Whatever any family member can find, they, t they typically get me. Yeah, getting Live to Win, or I, I would have to have to say Kissology must have been amazing as a present. I mean, I think regardless of the time of year that anyone got it, what a gift that was, just being packed full of really cool stuff. So, you know, that must have been really exciting as well. Live, live to Win, yeah, <laughs> you know, I enjoyed that at the time. So, but, you know, and anytime anyone gives you anything, that's pretty cool. So, which do you like better? How do, or how did you like Live to Win? Um, at the time, I really loved uh, Live to Win, but I probably appreciated Kissology more simply because of my age. I wasn't around at that time for any of those concerts or that period of the band, so it was cool to have such a good collection of video from that time, and that was probably the most exciting thing for me about that set. Yeah, it was nice to get it all in one place. I mean, I know that uh, I know as Kiss geeks can say, well, there's better versions of such and such or whatever. But you know, to have it all officially released in one unit, you know, uh, was really cool. And the commentary it, it makes it worth it, and that's gold. The commentary. So, who knows? I mean, as people are celebrating Christmas or whatever they celebrate today, um, some of you may be ending up with this under your tree and i'm holding up for the people who are listening the scooby-doo you might everyone the sales on this might spike so for product that's kind of been released in 2015 we're very limited this year um obviously the kiss 40 vinyl issues came out last year um so you know this is the one video um and you know what i think it's kiss's first blu-ray the version so yeah. 
Kiss Unless one. Unless you count Detroit Rock City. I don't. Okay. I I, 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 I deny Detroit Rock City. It does not exist. So did that come out on Blu-ray this year? I think it was this year, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. So you might be blessed to be receiving <laughs> Kiss and Scooby-Doo, which is absolutely awesome. We did an episode on that, obviously. Um, you know, Scooby-Doo. Let's a quick look back, Mark. Have you watched uh, it? Have you watched it since it came out? Yeah, I remember when we did the episode. I actually went and got it that week, and uh, I loved it. I and I think I mentioned in the episode that I watched it with my nieces, and uh, they they really enjoyed it too. And it was it's kind of cool to have something like that where you can watch something that you love, like kiss related, and they can actually get something out of it as well. And they're not asking you to turn it off and put something else on, right? So I I really enjoyed it. I've actually watched it to be honest about another six times since I've gotten it. I I really enjoyed it. I mean, my favorite part still is when they do that quick, you know, kind of flash uh, changed costume into the whole destroyer costume bit there in the, in the in the amusement park. I thought that was awesome. I really love how that turned out. I I, th- I thought it was good. I mean, obviously it's a you know kitschy kind of kids related thing, but I thought it was great. I thought it was well done. You know the whole, the whole Doc McGee character still cracks me up every time he appears on that with trying to sell something somewhere, right? What was his character, Chip Magoo? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, but yeah, I think it was really, really well done, and I'm, I think that no, you know, I might be kind of making an early prediction here, but I won't be surprised if they make another sort of animated release like that again in the near future because I think it did pretty decent for them. You know, it didn't go over the roof like you know, like Frozen or anything like that. But, but I mean, I think it did better than they probably anticipated. I would think. Sean, how about you? Did you get that at the time, or have you? Yeah, seen I bought it? it. Yeah, I bought it and I watched it. I, I liked it. I thought it was cute and fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not a big cartoon guy, but I, you know, I wasn't cringing. I I thought all the things that they threw in from Kistray, all those little things, actually made it fun for me to watch. You know, I, I can't say the story was particularly, you know, stunning, or but you know, it was well drawn. You know, and, and all the stuff that they did was very well put together. All right, I'm gonna jump into some music here. Um, there's a couple of really cool things that have, Bruce never lets you down. He reissued his KKB CD with a newly recorded song with those guys. I'm not going to dwell on this one long because it's, you know, on the periphery of Kiss. But, you know, with Bruce, I think we can always, uh, and I'm just like reaching for something else. Uh, where is it? BK3 came out on vinyl. I believe that was this year. If not, forgive me. Or sue me. One of the two. And... <laughs> Also out on vinyl was a reissue of his original KKB. So KKB, of course, was recorded in 1974. Uh, that's his earliest recorded work. He's The original one came out a few years ago in a limited edition CD. Um, the new one is a reissue of that with several of the songs, one not on it, and the new track. So you can have your vinyl, you can have your, your CD. Either of you picked up any KKB? Um, no, I didn't, but... Um... I actually heard a couple of interviews on a couple of podcasts where they interviewed Bruce and he talked about it. And I think, and if I'm not mistaken, either on one of them, they played a, a song 
one of the songs, or I might have heard it on a site somewhere. And I thought it was pretty good. I mean, obviously, you got to take it for what it is. I mean, it was done in, like you said, in 74. I believe it was done on 8-track, I think, too. So you don't expect some grandiose, you know, 24-track production here. But it turned out, I thought, pretty good. I mean, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever heard, you know. And and uh, I, I do have it on my list of things to get still, but I haven't picked it up yet. I mean, I probably grabbed the CD, and I, and I have started, you know, collecting a lot of vinyl lately so i probably will get that too i mean i bk3 i'm pretty familiar with it because i had it on itunes and uh i didn't actually buy the physical copy of it i usually do that when i'm uncertain about buying a record i'll usually get it on itunes and if i really really dig it i'll go and buy a physical copy anyways right so um but i like bk3 i i think it's his best the solo stuff that he's done and uh it'll probably be grabbed on vinyl yeah, I, you know, I'm glad he he just continues to think about the collectors and he puts stuff out limited edition, you know, so you get your 500 copies or you miss it and that comes around again. Jeremy did fantastic work with the multi tracks with the KKP stuff. Sean, you pick up either of these or any of these going to get on your Christmas list? Uh, I bought the KKP CD uh, when Bruce uh, put it up on his website. Nice. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a a really fun CD to listen to. I I really dug it. All right, I'm going to dig into a bootleg now. It just happens to be the next one. And <coughs> it made Mark it made Mark all choked up. It is it's, it's the uh, successor to Godfather who of course put out some of the highest quality torrents that they downloaded freely available material from other people and put a price on it. Uh, but they do do very pretty printing. That's what I think of Godfather. But uh, this is of course Detroit the third night, January the 27th, 1976. Mm. So it's the one show that didn't circulate widely. Of course, it circulated, but uh, now the masses can have it. I mean, it's a bit of a cluster at the end of it. I think it's a patchwork. Uh, Nice-looking CD, but whatever. Uh, unless you have it, unless you're that interested. you know, I'm just going to run through a few of these bootlegs pretty quickly because there have been a few that have come out. So that's actually the Kobo Third Night show. Yeah, and it's not the DVD. Obviously, it's audio only. So. Yeah, because I because I remember I've actually seen like I think they had on YouTube for a little while there maybe like I think the opening song or two from the Third Night. And that's all I've ever seen from the Third Night. I've never seen anything from the Third Night ever besides that. So I mean, it'd be interesting to maybe grab that if you're. A, completest as far as even maybe just listening to the whole three all three shows because i've only ever i've i have the first two on vhs and now obviously we have the shows on dvd thanks to kissology but um i'm i'm still pretty uh unfamiliar with the third night apart from like they said it was just yeah, there's, there, you know, there's there's plenty of the third night around. It's been bits and pieces have been used on official Kiss releases. So, you know, there there is material and there's stuff up on YouTube that, uh, you know, kind of, I think was put together from those official videos. And of course, okay. and of course, the the video does not widely circulate, and I think it's missing the encores. But you know, I'm not really big on that, and I haven't even listened to that one. Next up is one I was actually looking forward to, Return to Thunder which is also eat a peach and that one is really disappointing it was or it's really 
good, depending on your perspective, because uh, it gave hoarders a little bit of uh, palpitations waiting to find out what exactly was on it. And it's just your bog standard uh, rock and roll over tour rehearsals. So it's, it's kind of cool. It's 76, uh, late 76, obviously. So kind of neat. Um, and then my final one for this just got in, I think, last week. And I got to look at the name. Suicide and Salvation, Sheffield, 1992. So that's... Oh, nice. That's the UK Revenge Tour, um, plus the second disc has a whole bunch of the Revenge demos. So I, I think that audio, that audience recording is a new circulating one. I hadn't heard it, um, but the demos, of course, have been out there for years. So there's a few bootlegs. Any of you picked up, uh, let's, Sean, picked up or heard any of those? Any interest in bootlegs? No, I haven't heard any of those. Uh, Go to YouTube. Really... They're probably there now. Probably. I, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm go. I'm waiting until you're done. But yeah, like like you said, if I do listen to a bootleg, it's probably just on YouTube. I don't actively look out torrents or CDs. Like I'll just see if it's on YouTube and watch it there. But I don't actively look. Yeah, so those are cool ones. But you know, it bothers me now how expensive they're getting. Uh, you know. Sorry. Go ahead. You used to be able to get these things really cheap, and obviously, once they're available on torrents, they're available for free. Not that we promote that here. Yeah. Mark? Well, I was just going to say that for me, bootlegs and Kiss are kind of have a, a bit of a sore spot with me, just for, this, for the reason that I'm a big bootleg collector, but mainly I'm a big soundboard collector. Because I've just... I can't handle odd, bad audience recordings. They just sound like shrill to me when I listen to them because I have some, I have de decent speakers. I have like a home studio where I do a lot of recording, like actual like albums and stuff like that. So when I put audience recordings on these speakers, it just doesn't compute to them for some reason. And like the soundboard stuff always sounds great. And I mean, I know I've said this, I must have like a freaking broken record player by now, but why kiss can't put a dedicated section on their kiss online where people can buy good soundboard stuff from their tours, I will never understand. I mean, King Crimson does it. Lots of bands do it where you can just go on there and you can even just order it off. Of, hey, I'm going to go see King Crimson. Uh, or I, I saw them in the past. It would be the past now. And uh, on their website, you can just go on there and they, from every era of their touring cycle, they have stuff available and soundboard stuff that you can get, like whole shows, three-quarter shows, you know, and... It sounds good. And I mean, yes, I've gotten so many soundboard stuff from like 77, 78, 79. Not from Kiss, though. Like, I mean, come on, man. You're telling me these guys don't have one. There's got to be. Yeah. You know, th there's got to be a reason, though, why they're not, which is kind of disappointing. So, um, you know, bootlegs, these are the first ones I've ever owned because I don't know anything about bootlegs. So, <laughs> uh, are any of those three? Are any of those soundboard those ones? Uh, no, no. Oh, the Detroit Kobo is, of course, because it's off uh, the video. But it's it's not yeah. a soundboard; it's a video sourced audio. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's it's not going to sound great. I would debate you on the the sound of a bootleg in the studio because I've actually taken bootlegs in and had them restored in the studio and listened to them live. Well live in the studio um and well, you could fix them yeah 
and and for and for me it, it's always been maybe it's just that i'm hearing it for the first time after paying all the money to get the studio time <laughs> and the engineer to work on it that kind of blows my mind but uh you know sometimes you get lucky and it's all down to what it is but a lot of the 70s ones are you know the treble heavy or you know overblown distorted in so many different ways it, it all depends whether you get lucky and really the ones that really bother me are the ones where you have the guy holding on the recorder and have the guy next to him like just yeah and then you can hear him over the music half the time because the guy next to him won't shut up you know so it's like what good is this kind of a you know audience recording i'm hearing this guy complaining or saying something to his woman or to his friend or whatever and i want to hear the band you know like those are just the audience ones that really bother me i i agree you can go in and fix them there is a lot of studio kind of you can do where you can correct stuff and fix things and make them a lot better but I, I just mean that initially when I buy them and I put them on the first time, it's like, wow, like a lot of the times it's so treble heavy and, you know, way too much chatter and stuff like that. And I just, that's why I always go for the soundboard. So before I put Sean to sleep with this, uh, I got two more quick ones. And these are not bootlegs. They are, I don't know what the heck would call them. They're kind of turned up on Amazon. This first one I'm holding up is, uh, what is it? Lafayette Music Room, so Memphis, 1974. It's it's kind of more interesting. Everyone who collects this shit already has this and has for many years. So, But just seeing it on Amazon, I, I don't know how these sneak through. It's kind of like that live in Las Vegas. And the other one is a little bit more interesting, actually. It's Frehley's Comet, live in Milwaukee, 87. And it's not any better than the one that circulated, but it's just someone went to the effort of releasing an Ace Frehley radio show from 1987. It's actually funny you mentioned about the Amazon thing. I just remembered I did buy this year a Kiss bootleg off of Amazon. It was the, uh, I think it was the Crazy Nights club performance at the Ritz that they had on a radio broadcast that they put out. And I remember I grabbed that on CD off of Amazon. I don't know, like you said, how these how they snuck those online to sell, but it was it was it was really good. It was a radio broadcast. It sounded really really good. I was very happy with it. I tried to buy it. I had to cancel my order with Concert Live. They just couldn't deliver the damn thing. Um, so I gave up. <laughs> Sean, have you bought any... What Kiss stuff have you bought this year? Um, well, the two Blu-rays we mentioned, um, the Turok City and the Scooby-Doo movie. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's any specific merchandise i can think of that i bought this year there hasn't been a lot this year to be to be oh, honest no. i mean it, it's been a pretty sparse year the band's done 44 shows um very few of them in the states so there's not been too many opportunities to actually go and see them for most people i mean they start off the year in japan that's going to be a segue into i, I really don't want to linger on this one <laughs> i do not i don't think i can handle it um of course, the Kiss release in January oh. with. Oh, you uh, bought the CD? Yeah, Local <laughs> Hero Clover Z, um, Samurai Sun, and of course it also comes on the official Kiss Forty. Okay, so they're in Japan. They performed it. They never will perform it again. Hallelujah! That's a Kissmas <laughs> present right there to know that we'll yeah. never hear Samurai Sun again. Mark, were you on the show when we did that? That one, or was that Alan? No. It wasn't me. Okay, so I was on that. You were? That's yeah. w that's way back at the beginning of the year, isn't it? Mm -hmm. 
So have you had the pleasure of listening to that song since? Uh, I'm sure I've listened to it a couple times. Probably just yep. the live performances on YouTube. Probably to see what those sounded like. I don't think I listen to the studio version all that often. Yeah, so live they performed it with a backing tape the first time, and of course everyone was screaming lip syncing like it was uh, a Britney Spears show, which of course it wasn't. Um, and then they did it live, and it was pretty reasonable, I gotta say, uh, for what it is. And the the bombastic version on the last day of the tour in Tokyo, where they had the girls on stage, you know, from the YouTube clips, it's really impressive. But I'm glad it's done. Get them off the stage and don't ever do it again. You know, it's kind of hallowed ground. Um, Japan, very short tour. Another piece of merchandise that has become overpriced. <laughs> if I can reach it. Program. It is the program. These are up on uh, Kiss Online for a while. I don't know if they're still available, but it's absolutely beautiful quality. I mean, it, it's you get high as a kite off the ink. It's just <laughs> absolutely insane. It's one of the most beautifully printed kissed horror books i've ever seen and i thought it would only be japan that had one that was that that good but uh australia was equally vibrant in terms of its colors um so moving on from japan live performances in south america in april europe in may and june um and then October, Australia. You know, I think they did a grand total of four U.S. shows. The Joint in Las Vegas was their first show of the year. So it's not been much to see. I mean, have you been, Sean, have you been on YouTube trying to check out these concerts? Because it seems this year there hasn't been as much YouTube footage either. Um, I pay attention to the, the message board to kind of see, like, set lists to see what, what songs they play. And if there was a song where I was like, Oh, I kind of want to hear that. Like when they played, uh, started playing Plaster Caster in South America, I immediately went to YouTube to try and find that. Some of the other songs they played, and I generally try to. I'll watch a couple of videos from tours in general just to see how they're sounding, how Paul's voice is shaping up compared to how it's been. Um, I don't watch a lot, but I watch what's interesting. Like I can't watch Love Gun every time I play a show. No, but if they play, if they bring something out that's cool, like Plaster Cast or whatever, I'll check it out. Mr. Speed, please, Mr. Speed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I think, and as for me, I'm, I don't really hunt for those clips. The last thing, actually, that I've been looking for as far as live clips, I've been checking out the Kiss Cruise Five clips that have been coming up now, and that Sailaway show was just. Really, really good, I thought. I mean, the set list was finally, like, they pulled the plugs out of their ears and listened to what the people actually wanted to hear and actually did it for once. And uh, I was surprised. I mean, I remember there was a, another podcast that had an episode talking about what the possible songs could have been. And uh, they were saying that they didn't suspect that half of them got played, but a lot of them did get played that they thought wouldn't. Like, uh, you know, Flaming Youth was, I think, the biggest surprise that everybody got that they played that. But, yeah, I thought, you know, those clips were the things that I was interested in checking out was that because there was, there was such a big hype behind the Sail Away show that I wanted to just see if it was worth all the hype 
and see how it turned out. And I think it turned out good. Um, other than that, I'm not really big on checking out their live show performances because, like you said, I mean, how many times can you see Love Gun or Detroit Rock City performed live? I mean, they've done it so many hundreds of thousands of times now live. It's, you know, unless you're there, that's a different story, right? So, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I think the, the crew's clips were, were worth seeing. Yeah, the the cruise by far, I, I'm going to say, is the live standout of the year versus the beginning of the year where it starts off with Samurai Sun, ending the year with <laughs> Flaming Youth. I know which end of the year is better. Um, there's There have been some good live recordings, actually, from this year, um, and I'm umming as I'm trying to read and think at the same time and not doing a very good job. The There's one from Germany from the Rock and Reaver Festival, um, Hamburg and Berlin were recorded. Donington is the pro shot video of the year. So, um, regardless of any of the performance challenges or issues, at least there's another high def pro shot out there to watch. Yeah. Three shows. Was there a pro shot from South America? I don't think this year, and I could be wrong. Um, I haven't really followed video as closely this year. I've been so busy with something I'll be mentioning next um, that I. I may have missed it, but both Melbourne nights were recorded and Sydney, so there's a bunch. Obviously, on YouTube, people are you know, sharing their clips from the Kiss Cruise. I'm going to say my favorite one from there is Flaming Youth. That is just a pant-wedding moment that... And mistake, Paul doing that demo in his uh, in his private acoustic show is just outstanding. Sean, you've been checking out Kiss Cruise? Because it's, it's been a gift that keeps on giving the last few weeks. Uh, yeah, because I've been specifically looking for, like, certain songs. I haven't watched, like, a video that's, like, everything. But, like, I looked at uh, the set list and uh, saw what videos were posted on the message board itself and you know, did seek out videos like Mr. Speed, just because I thought that's one that should be played. Um, I wanted to see one of Ladies' Room, but what, wasn't able to find one. That's the one that I really wanted to see that I wasn't able to find. Yeah, that would be good, and you know, I wouldn't mind seeing Mainline. But you know, they I, have one on. Uh, they have. They have it on. Yeah. You know, I think as is usually the case, someone's going to put together a video of all the like separate sources or as many as they can find and put together a pretty good package. Hopefully, that'll circulate at some you know, point. You know who should put together a good package? Kiss. Why don't they put together a package? <laughs> Of like their, you know, their Kiss Cruises, like the best of the Kiss Cruises, like one to five, like, you know, like four songs from the first one and eight songs from the second one. Like, you know, come on, man. I can't be the only one who has these thoughts within their organization. Come on, man. What are they doing here? Like, release this stuff. They're, I'm guaranteed they're filming this stuff. And you even said they, they have this pro st shot stuff now and from, you know, Donington and this and that. Why don't they release some of this stuff? Or what are they waiting for? Is it going to be the 2016 announcement that they're going to be doing this now or what? They might be scared about releasing stuff in high definition with Paul's current uh, vocal situation. They've taken so much flack for that that they, they might just be worried about it. Auto-corrected in the studio. Not like they probably don't do that anyways. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I understand that working on the fourth volume of Kissology is really difficult, but uh, 
You know, yeah. th- th- there's kind of the cynical me. I, th- there's got to be more to it on the business side, uh, whether it's with the label, whether it's internally, who knows? Th- there's got to be a reason that when you've got people like us who are saying, take my money, take my money, Gene. Paul, want some money? You can have some, but I'm not going to your freaking burger barn. You know, you gotta. it's got to be music. So <laughs> th- they've got to have a reason. So hopefully... You know, talking about things that haven't shown up yet, the Kiss documentary. Mm, I mean, right. that's a gigantic WTF for me of what is going on with that. I mean, at one point, the director who I think defriended me on Facebook, um, <laughs> um, didn't probably, yeah, probably didn't like my 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 Motley Crue and Beatles comments, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, he actually posted some DVDs of an edit. You know, so they'd gotten to the point where they had a completed director's cut with placeholder audio and video and all that type of stuff, which they then would have had to get the approvals from Gene and Paul that they liked the rest of it. They liked the sequencing and God knows what else, because I don't know anything about that side of the business. And it's just dropped off the radar. He's dropped off the radar. I think he did a David Essex documentary that in between when he did the kiss one um, or some other artist, and he actually did that project and released it in the amount of time that it's taken Kiss to go nowhere. So, so, so the question is: Do you think this happened? He brought it over to Gene and Paul. They watched it. They looked at each other and they did this. They went, I, and that's it. That's the end of it. it. No, I think they said, "Where's Lisa Peter?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, I want. I want to see a Kiss documentary, Sean. You want to see a Kiss documentary? Would you give them your money yeah. to see a Kiss documentary? Yeah. Yeah. I but, mean, I mean, they, they, they may have just. They may have just had a problem, maybe finding a means of distribution. I mean, that's kind of hard to think in today's world with things like you know all these streaming services, yeah. kind of like Netflix and Amazon and all this stuff. Like, even if you couldn't get it to DVD. Or theaters for whatever reason like there's so many different ways you can put it out there i don't think that would be the problem but i think the closest thing would be like what mark said maybe gene and paul just weren't happy with it and wanted to rethink it i get the, i get the guys who did the rush one to do it yeah i was just gonna yeah. say i go honestly they need to do something like that then next get like sam dunn and those guys which who i actually Actually, I used to play with his band a lot here in Toronto. I'm good friends with him. But uh, he he does really good stuff. And he's even made a whole dedicated channel now to, to his kind of stuff that he does now with these kind of interviews and documentaries where you can see them now. Like I think they're going to be coming online really soon with that. And, uh, you know, why not do one on Kiss? I mean, they have lots of material. They could do it on there. But, I mean, I just – every time you mention it, you think it's a great idea, and as soon as you mention and you hear yourself say it, you just envision Paul and Gene in the background just going, no, 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 we don't want to do it. And I just would love to know why. Why are they always, you know, shutting down these ideas or not releasing these things? There's, you know, like you said, Julian, there's got to be a reason why, and probably we don't, we don't know why, or maybe we'll never know why, but, you know... They've, lots of other bands, I think, would have taken these chances and opportunities and ran with them. I mean, they were hyping that documentary for so long. I was seeing posters coming on that they were showing for it. And like you said, they showed that little picture of the finished, completed editor's cut of it and stuff. And it was going full steam. And all of a sudden, boom, it was gone. 
it's disappointing. That Rush one, Behind the Lightest Stage, I think it is, yeah. is one of the best rock documentaries I've ever seen. I think it's incredibly well done. And why can't Gene and Paul give us a tour through... You know, I mean, obviously the Daisy's not there, Coventry's not there, but the rehearsal loft is, and both of the rehearsal lofts, and the Malimo one where they used to rehearse with Ace's prior band, they used to go over to the Malimo loft. You know, <laughs> after, after, you know, Ace left that band, you know, and hang out with his previous band, who then got signed to Casablanca in 74, you know, they, I'm sure they could do one. Um, another good rock documentary of course was for me foo fighters back and forth you know in terms of how they're shot how they're filmed content wise you know there's not been any teasers for the kiss one you know no clips it's like the curse of live to win Do you remember how when they were putting the live to win live or whatever that thing was called paul stanley live uh, that was supposed to have a documentary and we saw some clips of it and i don't know about you guys but i thought that looked incredibly appealing in terms of how it was filmed um but it it's obviously a curse. And maybe next year, when we're set, what are we celebrating in 2016? Is this the 30th anniversary of Kiss now by Kiss numbers? Uh, <laughs> you know, well, there's a lot of albums to celebrate, I'm guessing, next year. Like, I mean, what's next is going to be, isn't the Destroyer next year to have some anniversary coming up now? Or? And yeah, Rock and Roll Over. Yeah, so just skip it and they'll celebrate the originals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and Roll Over, of course, I've said that many times is my favorite album. So, Same here. You know, p perform that and Destroyer and give Lick It Up a freaking break. <laughs> you know, you, th yeah. you could throw Love Gun and, and uh, Rock and Roll All Night On at the end. But the, if you do those two albums, it's only going to be a 40-minute show anyway because uh, they're pretty short albums. Yeah. Would you like yeah. that, Sean? Would you like a all Rock and Roll Over Destroyer? tour next year for the 40th anniversary should they should they do that actually i mean i mean with destroyer they play most of those songs anyway <laughs> so it wouldn't be that big of a change it's just well we won't play we'll play i want you instead of look it up and stuff like that i'd like to see that because i think some of their best songs come from rock and roll over yeah. and they play so much of destroyer anyway so although what well. they could what they could do though is they could unmothball the original Destroyer stage and bring that out for a tour, and you know then do Destroyer, you know. Yeah, maybe I mean, everybody is always talking about you know the big Frankenstein lightning and you know so why not do that you know? Maybe when they co-headline with Guns and Roses. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be the day. All right, so what other product? I'm, I'm going to pimp mine, of course. Came out this year for printed material, Gene A. Sweet and Paul. Um, and we'll give another mention. We've just been talking about Destroyer. James Campion shouted out loud. And I think that's it for books this year. So Was not, Paul's last year? Yeah, Paul's, okay. Paul's, Paul's was last year. How quickly the time flies. I'll tell you, though, those two books, your book, honestly... I still gotta say, I, I was saying when I when we did the the whole episode on it before, how I thought it was gonna be the top five. I'll change that. It's easily top two now. I I love that book, Julian. I I, I have it constantly on my night. Oh, we lost you during this. We've lost your audio. Try again. Oh, you're gone. Where's your audio gone? Oh no. Okay, there you come back. 
Okay, so... You're waxing lyrical about my book and the audio drops out. <laughs> Damn gonna, you, Khan! I was going to say that it's my top two book for sure. I always have it beside my bed on my night table, and I always, even though I finished it, I always go back and leaf through it still. I'm, the interviews are awesome on there. There's so many things that I can read through multiple times in that book. I, I really, really love that book. I think it's it's great. It makes me really anticipate what you're going to do next as far as a book. Well, ho hopefully in 2016 there will be something. But thank you very much. That's very kind of you. And thank you, everyone, who supported the project. It's, you know... I'm I'm still sparting from some of the feedback on Amazon, but don't read the reviews. I, I got to tell myself, don't read the reviews because some people love it, and you know, there's a few people who hate it, um, who didn't understand why we left, why I left the interviews ungrammatically corrected. You know, so I think the content's there and it's interesting, and I'll, I'll just sing the praises of uh, the, the. I don't know what accent that was. The praises of shouted out loud. You know, which does a similar sort of thing. But James is an absolutely fantastic writer, so he's done the long form writing version of what we did, just leaving the interviews. So he really pieced it together, and he writes incredibly well. Makes a very entertaining read. Um, so. Here's a shout out to James for a, a wonderful book this year as well. So 2016, hopefully there'll be more books. I mean, I I don't know what we're gonna do here with my one remaining ISBN number. Um, probably something is on the cooker. Um, but you know, it'd be nice to see Kiss do uh, another book. And you know, but you know, they just haven't given me enough to buy this year, which is kind of disappointing. I've had to spend all my money on collectibles, uh, like on rare vinyl, which. <laughs> It's just guaranteed to piss off the wife. Yeah. Just. We lost your audio again. Now you're swearing at it. Can't hear you. Hello. Yeah, now we can hear you. Okay. I was going to say that uh, I also bought Shattered Out Loud as well, and I'm about halfway through that, and it's 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 good. I really like that as well, personally. I still like yours more up to this point, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with Shout Out Loud. It's a really good book as well. Yeah, I think anything that adds to the library on the band for us. I mean, Sean, do you buy books? Uh, yeah, I buy books. I didn't buy those two in particular yet. Hold on, disconnect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of Kiss books, the one I was looking forward to the most. Um, I don't remember what it was called, but it was a big Kickstarter project that ultimately oh, didn't get the God. funding it needed. Yeah, how, how can we talk about this year without talking about Ross Radley and his mm -hmm. magic book, The Kiss Chronicles? Um, um, you know, it's kind of an ellipsis right there, an incomplete thought. So, you know, Ross came out with this fantastic idea, and that was just drool-worthy. Some of the photos... Did you see the photos he was sharing? Yeah, you know the the red room, and I can't remember her name, Rianne Rubenstein, maybe I don't know, but you know just the details he was coming up with out of his his book. Um, you know, I hope he gets it done, and when he when he does, I hope he's a hundred percent independent, so that he hasn't had to do a Kickstarter to fund the uh, the photo rights, and that he's the layouts that we eventually saw at the end of that were very promising. I thought those pages looked great. So, Ross, can you hear me? Keep fighting the fight, Ross. Get it done.
He's still working on it, though, from what I see. Whenever I go by his page every once in a while, he, he is mentioning that he is still fully working on it. So, Yeah, and, you know, I, I think he learned a lot from the Kickstarter campaign. You know, it's not the, because the Kickstarter didn't succeed doesn't mean it was a failure. I think he learned a lot about the project. I think he learned a lot about himself. I think he learned a lot about the market as well. You have to have a good idea of where you're going with this idea to make sure that it's going to be success. So even in not being successful in raising the funds, I think it's probably safer for him that he's, he's learned some lessons. And, you know, I'm not saying anything right now publicly that I wouldn't say to his face as well. And I, I don't think he would deny that he learned things as well. Uh, some hard lessons because it wasn't all fun. Uh, without doubt, it wasn't all fun. So, no. There you go. I mean, it's obviously tough, it's tough to put out a book like that as it is to do the documentaries. So 2016, maybe Ross will be hopefully having KISS documentaries, KISSology 4. Yeah. Live shows. So do you want to see them? you want to see them in concert next year, Sean? Um, yeah, I'd love to see them in concert anytime. Like, I don't have any opposition to going to see them. Um, I'm not always crazy about ticket prices, but... Oh, God, yeah. Headlining tour or co-headlining? Do you think they can... Which would you prefer? I mean, I think we probably uh, prefer headlining, but do you think they, do you think they can do it, or do you think they need a package? Financially? Like, they probably wouldn't be able to do it by themselves because there's just not a whole lot of interest. They don't put a whole lot of product out. That would get a lot of people to a stadium. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing another co-headline because I enjoyed the two they've done. I really liked the one with Def Leppard. I thought that was a good fit. And I don't know. I mean, because it's about the same price. So if it's going to be that amount of money, I'd rather get two bands as opposed to one. I think these days it's probably more likely with the shortening set list. I think 75 minutes is easier on the band at their age I mean we're, we're running into the physical limitations of yeah. you know father time no matter how the spirit is willing Mark what are your thoughts on maybe yeah. touring live I mean I'd love to see them too I mean being in Canada I don't get to see them as often as the people in America do but um, I saw them when they came with their uh, Motley Crew tour there when they did this, when they went together and uh, I, I thought it was really good and I I thought it was worth it. It was not, you know, it was sure. Of course, it was pricier, but it was worth the the price mm -hmm. to see it. Um, I don't think they can do it alone. I think they'll need to continue to do the co-headliner routine. And like you said, not so much maybe because they couldn't do it, but I do think that a lot of the physical limitation, like you said, are starting to show, and it would be more beneficial for them to do a longer tour with just shorter set to play, right? So I think that that's a it's a possibility, and I think 2016 they're already now starting to announce some shows or put up some shows already. So they will be playing. Obviously, it's just where they're going to do it. Hopefully, they'll come by Canada this time. But I mean, I think that uh, Sean brought up a good point there that you know it would help them if they put out another product, another studio album. You know, God forbid another greatest hits record but you know just something to 
get the you know wheels going to people chatting and talking about something you know positive that'll make them want to go out and see them you know yeah put out an ep you know well three or four songs maybe a couple of live cuts from here and there you know maybe throw on samurai sun just for fun just just because (laughs) (laughs) you know i i think the co-headlining idea really is what makes sense i think it's in the American market, it, it really appears to be that bands like Kiss need to have something attractive to help sell, you know, to broaden the audience. When the ticket prices are what they are these days, if you have two bands that have two followings, just like it worked out well with Motley Crue, it worked out well with Def Leppard, uh, it worked out okay with Aerosmith on that probably 70-30 split. Um, you know, I, anyone except Poison. Oh, ooh. No Poison. And no, 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 no good. No good. Yeah, They've got to do one with Alice at some point. Uh, I mean, it's just kind of a given of why not Alice? Uh, and what was that? What's Krabby's band that they've just been touring with for Australia? Dead Daisies? Yeah. You know what, though? Alice Cooper, I think, should be on their list to do. I mean, I had the... And I always get a little choked up talking about this, but I was very happy that I got to see Heaven and Hell before Ronnie died, and they did a tour with Alice Cooper, and hands down, it was probably one of the best shows I ever went to. It was Queensryche opening, Alice Cooper second, and Heaven and Hell headline. And, you know, Queensryche got 45 minutes, Alice Cooper got like an hour, and, you know, Heaven and Hell got like an hour and a half, and it was... Like show and Alice Cooper, at that point I wasn't even that big a fan of him, but he's he's so good live. I mean, he just enhances your live ticket if you put him on it. That's what I think. Yeah. So who ha- who closes that one then? That show of Kiss and Alice Cooper hook up. Uh rotate why don't a lot of bands do that i saw like when yes and toto went out on tour apparently they were supposed to do that where one night it was yes and the next night it was toto and they would rotate and flip but it didn't end up working that way but it was mainly yes that closed but why not do that i mean if you if you have if you're going to do the same length of set you know why not just flip it maybe sure the roadies and the road crew might get pissed off that they have to keep you know (laughs) altering how they set up the stages every night but you know I'm sure they can figure out a way to do it. Yeah, don't mess with the roadies. That, that probably that probably just killed the idea right there. Messing with the road crew, <laughs> messing with two road crews. Yeah, yeah. Someone's gonna get locked in an anvil, so uh, or road case, whatever they're called. You know, that's kind of a cool idea. You know, but Kiss is so reliant on the video screens that they could probably be the opening kind of the opening half of the closing of the show. I'm trying, yeah. to, I'm trying to think of a politically correct way to not say that Alice is the headliner, but, you know, <laughs> Alice is older than them. Alice inspired Alice them. may uh, prefer to open, because he opened for Zombie, he opened for Motley Crue. When he tends to do these kind of double bills, he usually goes on first. And you know why he does that? Because I, he, heard this he, from, I heard this from him once at, an, in a John, at the John Wayne Airport when I was hanging out there. He was, t- he was there with his band, and somebody asked about that too, like why he still likes to be... In, you know, in the middle on sets as opposed to headlining. And he goes, you know what? He goes, I like the feeling of having to make the next band better their show to me. 
And I think that's why he does it because he knows that he has a killer show and a killer routine. And the, the probably look on the band's face when he walks off and says, you know, here you go, guys, you're up next. Have a good show. And then we're kind of sitting there going, oh, shit, what are we going to do now? Probably he probably must love that, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's got to raise his game to go on and exactly and, and kill it in order to, you know. Now maybe they can. Have, I'm, I'm thinking of opening acts. The third act, Dead Daisies, would be cool. I've not heard them. Uh, Zodiac Mind Warp, yeah, but <laughs> that's just one of my guilty pleasures. Yeah. Or, the, 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 doesn't Kiss have some kind of band that they're kind of tied with? You know how they had like Black and Blue were kind of like their buddies through the '80s and '90s. Doesn't don't they have a Kiss band like that now? Like maybe Fozzy or something? You know. No, it's Jericho's band. It's, I guess it could be. No, it's, it's his band, but I'm saying that maybe like is like a band that they're buddies with. You know what I mean? Like how they were buddies with Black and Blue and Slaughter, and they always brought them out with them on tour. Maybe a band like that would be a good opener for a tour like that. You know? Do they have buddies? <laughs> well, apparently Chris Jericho's great friends with Paul Stanley, so why not bring Fozzie on tour? Yeah. Who knows? I've never heard Fozzie. What do they do? Uh, you know what? The very first record they did was a complete shtick thing where he, he, he they presented it like, you know, Chris Jericho was in this band and they were popular in Japan only and America never heard of them and they had a record of nothing but covers. It was like uh, Twisted Sister and, you know, all kinds of covers they did and they claimed that they were their songs that got ripped off. It was like a joke thing at first when they came out, right? But as they got more and more popular, they went all original and now they're just... I'm sad, sorry to say this, but they're just about just as a, just a generic rock radio metal band now. Nickelback. Like, yeah, well, not as not as cheesy as that, but not as bad. Yeah, you know, but just you know, very geared to the radio now. They're not as risky as they were before, right? Well, who else? Oh, what well, is a band that they used to tour a, a lot with? The Arts. Hmm. And they're still around. Yeah. So, so who knows? That's that's kind of for next year, and that's also a little bit of a of another episode, maybe, to kind of talk about what everyone wants. Let's wrap up with some final thoughts about 2015. Was it a good year for Kiss? Was it a good year for you as a Kiss fan? Um, I'm going to start on that. You know, I think 2015 was pretty mediocre. Uh, there, there's just not been much of anything that I found tremendously interesting. It's a very big counterpoint at the end of the year to have Mr. Speed and Flaming Youth and Ladies Room and the absolutely killer Kiss Cruise 5, but I wasn't there. So I'm only enjoying it from the YouTube perspective, whereas the people who did attend, I'm sure, um, are, are just savoring every second they remember of that 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 cruise where kiss really brought it and there's one other item i've got actually there's, be... there's two other items um and this is the kiss cruise of course ah nice and i'm holding up the kiss cruise 12 inch single which is i think uh the re-recording of rock and roll all night from a few years ago on a single single-sided piece of vinyl Kiss really went to bat on this cruise. I mean, they brought some really good bands with them, diverse other acts. They absolutely blew it out of the water doing the Unmasked Electric Sail Away show. And the Alive, uh, we've talked about it on some of the other episodes, the Alive recreation, which 
so many of us were like, well, why do this again? You already did that in 2008, a live 35. But recreating the stage, putting on those costumes, I'm going to say it. Gene Simmons looked absolutely fantastic in his 75 gear. Paul looked fantastic. That stage looked absolutely wonderful on a boat where they couldn't do any pyro. Looked absolutely incredible. I would absolutely, as Mark said, kill for a DVD of that performance. Um, that's a high point for the year. Everything else, uh, I'm going to hold up another low point because oh. that's the concert live double LP. Mine doesn't have that many dings on it, but it's been such a nightmare this year to get product out of that company. Um, apart from the fact it's you know a seven-year-old show, I think close to seven years, pointless. But there hasn't been enough merchandise on a musical level. I've held up some of the you know like bootlegs and stuff, but where's the stuff from Kiss? There just hasn't been anything. I would have thought all those high-definition you know, audio, audio that they reissued last year would have finally come out in in the States in physical format as a box. Yeah. In repro sleeves, just like they do in Japan. No, nothing. So it's it's been very disappointing on that. No official books, no official DVDs, um, just more rock and brews and other stuff that doesn't appeal to me and you know what i've said it before if it appeals to you out there great um does not float my boat so it, it's been mediocre not enough shows but i don't see them being able to do much more than 45 a year at this stage and i'll be i'm you know i'll be thankful the 12 days of christmas i probably got 12 shows i can listen to or bootlegs from the year so mediocre you know, I just hope 2016 is much better. Mark, what would your thoughts be? Well, I have to agree with you totally. I mean, the point that you nailed on right on the head was, for me especially, I mean, being in Canada, I never got to see them pretty much at all. And, uh, you know, and, and when you talk about a year in review, it has to do about mainly where you are and what you've done, right? So... Like you said, if you went on the Kiss cruise, you probably think this year was phenomenal for Kiss because you had a great time at it and it was awesome. And if you were maybe in, you know, Australia or South America and some of these other spots where they toured, maybe you had a great time. And you know, this year wasn't so bad for you for Kiss. But a lot of the spots that you just mentioned now are very valid. There was no no product worth speaking of, except maybe just the Scooby Doo thing. You know, and like you said, there's so many opportunities to release stuff. I mean, the high def stuff is a real sore spot with me too. I, I'm a big collector of Blu-ray audio, like those pure green audio things. Why couldn't they do something like that? Release some of their records like that? People would snap it up. They would do it. I I know they do because lots of people do buy those things. I'm one of them. You know, and so I I think that they've missed the boat a lot this year. Um, you know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna give it the same ranking as you. It's mediocre this year. Um, I'm really hoping that next year they'll do more. And they'll they'll make it more of a banner year for them, and they'll come up to Canada and tour, and you know, make them make themselves present in my country again. And um, you know, but they, it's not that they don't have the chance to do this stuff. It's just it just seems that they 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 won't. And that's the thing that puzzles me about it because they have every opportunity. And I think that, you know, with a good manager and a good lawyer, which they do have, anything's possible. And why it's not happening, I don't know. It, who knows? But 
I'm hoping next year will be better. This year for me, and a really great thing for me, which I have to say is that I've really enjoyed coming on the whole Kiss FAQ podcast. It's been really great doing this. And I really enjoyed it doing these episodes and being on here. I've met a lot of cool people like, you know, Sean and other people and you, Julian, as well. And, and you know, it's great to to be able to do this on a weekly basis. I mean, I've, been do- I've done quite a lot of them since I started, and I'm grateful for that. And, you know, my favorite one, if I want to pick one, I really enjoyed when we did those top 10 favorite Kiss songs. I thought that was really cool. And when we also did, like, like the Dress to Kill 40th 40th was it anniversary discussion we did with that i thought i loved doing those kind kind of episodes it's always fun you know to discuss things like that and i hope to be able to do more with you guys and i think it's been really awesome this whole kiss faq podcast experience thanks mark sean how's 2015 for you um you know i think i like it as a kisser more than you guys did, I give them points for trying to be a bit more creative with what little products they did put out. Hmm. You know, Samurai Sun isn't the greatest thing in the world, but I do give them points for trying something a little different and, you know, expanding their horizons a bit. They do a cute little animated Scooby-Doo crossover, and that's something I wish they would have done more of like in the 70s but it's nice to see them sort of starting to do it now and taking advantage of that marketplace um i really was thrilled that detroit rock city was released on blu-ray because i really liked that movie <laughs> so i was really happy when that came out well it does have one good part well, I, two good parts I'll, I'll tell you my two scenes i'm, I'm going to say something positive about detroit rock city because i don't want to be a hater and that is uh, with the girl. What's her name? Christine. You know, when they're in the car. And I, I don't remember the the characters because I just erase all those brain cells. But, you know, like, that's how porno movies start, you know. That's how, oh, that's how horror movies start. No, but that's how porno movies start. And then, they, and then the, priest, <laughs> the priest at the boarding school tripping out of mushrooms. I just thought it was... Okay, those are my scenes. Sorry to interrupt you, Sean. Uh, but... Uh... Another big thing for me, you asked me earlier what would, what were some of the products I bought, and it slipped my mind, even though I spent a couple hundred dollars on it. The big purchase for me this year is I actually bought one of the Paul Stanley Ibanez guitars. Oh, did you? Yeah, I bought the, the cheapest model, because I'm cheap, but uh, that was one of the things that I thought was really exciting and really cool, was that he brought those guitars back, and that you know they were up for sale on a lot of different versions, and I was really happy to get one of those. So I'm pretty happy with it. I would have liked more stuff because I'm spoiled and I just always want more Kiss stuff. But I'm pretty happy with what we got and that they tried different things. Yeah, that's a cool thing because uh, I'd completely forgotten about Paul's guitar. Didn't Tommy also put out another? Didn't White Lightning come out yeah, this year? Yeah, the White Lightning. Yeah. I mean, I'm already the proud owner of his silver guitar, so I don't need another one. And my next guitar will be a Fender or a Gibson SG or something like that. Um, something a little bit different, but uh, yeah, the Ivan, the Ivan has the PS10. Nice, to, nice to see it, and I don't think it matters what model it is. So, yeah. you know, good, good way to finish for a Sean on a positive note. And this is fifty episode fifty-two, so this is the end of the year. Next week is a new year, new episode of the FAQ podcast, and you know, 
at Christmas time or Christmas time, we're supposed to be thankful for things and and celebrate the year. And you know, 52 episodes and everyone who's been on these shows, we're going to talk, I think, next week a bit more about the first year of the FAQ podcast and where we're going to be going, hopefully, with the show. But, you know, here's a thank you to everyone who's participated on the KISS FAQ podcast during the year. We've had some technical challenges. We've had some fun. We've had some laughs off, you know, when we're not recording. You know, I think we've really started to build up a good group of people who, you know, come in and we're not we're not strict about who's on what show. It's like, what's the topic? You want to come on? Come on. Are you available? Okay, not available. Someone else slips and you know, so we're able to have a nice rotating cast. But it also means that we all have to develop on, on different, you know, paces. I'm on every single one and I haven't developed at all. Some people will tell you. Um you know, but but we're learning how to do this, and I think we're keeping it fun. I I don't want to get overproduced. I don't want to get too serious. I don't want to get bogged down with too many guests. But you know, here's a thank you also to everyone who's listened to us because you've given us your time to listen. Um, so let's wrap up this episode. This was you know a look back at 2015, a little bit of a look forward, um, a little bit of a celebration of Christmas. So get back to your families and enjoy them today. And we will be back next week with a new episode. So from Mark, Sean, and myself, thank you all for listening. And have a happy holiday season. And we'll see you next year. See you later. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today. We hope to see you again.